Hello everyone and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford, the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and I'm very happy to be able to reach out not only to my uh, local congregation, but to all of our Saints Network family who are listening from so many places across North America, but in many other places around the world. Welcome. We are so thankful to the Lord for the calling that he has given to all of us. And we're so thankful for each of you for being willing to accept this eternal mission from the Lord and to be faithful to it. You really are a, a remnant. You're, you're the residue that the Lord speaks about. You're the seed. You are that group of mighty ones who undoubtedly in this world get very little, if any, recognition in positive ways. But what you do is so exceptional in the heart of God. And we thank you for being willing to receive this message from the Word, to accept it and to apply it into your lives. Most recently, in fact, last week on this day, we were officially launching our Spring Saints Network Seminar here in Dallas. And the title, of course, was The Presence. And God just surprised all of us with so many wonderful points of visitation, ministry, revelation. It was truly a feast of fresh meat of the deeper understandings of the Word of God. And I, I'm just so grateful to the Lord for, for what He did and for what that signifies for us as we all go forward in Him in this new season. Such amazing communication from the Spirit of Truth to us. Things that were so cutting edge in the understandings of the Word, but the directives, um, the empowerments of that understanding for what's coming. Uh, I, I'm amazingly blessed by the signs that God give. I tell you that, <clears throat> excuse me, that day when we had the tornado warnings that were just going off in the afternoon and God visited us in such a glorious way at that time, <clears throat> especially um, in light of the things that he was showing to us about being on the cutting edge and how the tornado in the scripture indicates that. Um, the, the many folks who taught and ministered were such a blessing. Those that served um, in ongoing points of ministry that we offer here by the grace of the Lord every time we have a seminar. I, I thank you. And I am just believing that God is going to reward you. Well, I know that he will. Eternally, the rewards are, are going to be astounding. But that in, in near time, that, that the Father would release to you amazing points of favor and blessing for your faithfulness. And so, I, 
prayed about what we should be sharing today and as I said we <clears throat> we were the recipient of so much so much fresh and new understanding deep things that at some point you think it would probably be best if we digest a little of this for a while don't just start pressing on to some other thing before we really have the time to meditate or to reflect upon what God has shown and I certainly encourage you that's the one of the great blessings about the the website you can access those teachings and you can listen to them at double speed and you can skip ahead but I would strongly encourage you to revisit those we're not going to keep them up there forever so don't wait three months and say, where is this? I don't know where it is. Or whatever your voice sounds like. Get after it. It'll be up there for a few weeks. But don't act like it's a Supreme Court nomination. Or it's just going to be there at a whim for you. We can't keep everything on that site. Plus, it wouldn't be prudent to do that anyway. You know, what I mean is... we. It's not the Library of Congress. There's, there are limits to what we can have. And um, so utilize that. But don't wait forever to do it. How's that? It's, it's so funny. I remember I had a discussion with... Uh, um, well, I had a discussion with Scott about... A couple of years ago. Well, how long are we going to keep some of this stuff up here? And I said, well... Let's take some of it off. I mean, it's been up there for a long time. And no sooner do we do that than <laughs> a couple of people said, I'm trying to listen to this. Where is it? And I'm thinking, what have you been doing for the last year and a half? I mean, <laughs> what, where, where, where have you been? But anyway, utilize it. It's up there. But it would do you well to, to refresh your your hearing on some of these things that came because it was bang 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 just incredible new things that God is giving and it's kind of overwhelming for me because a lot of it was just an hour before here it is go through it real quick make sure it's lined up with the scripture do your diligence and then come and just give it so I need to go back and reflect. And I've begun to do that, but it's not like we don't have anything to do until the next seminar. You know, I'm already getting lots of requests from our brothers in Brazil wanting info regarding the coming of the trip. You know, there's just a lot to do, and we're not griping about it. But if, if I'm going to go back through and, and check on this stuff, you need to. We need to get this ingrained into us. It was from the Father. It was straight from the Word. And um, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for it. Just uh, an in-house uh, element that I feel we need to put forward constitutionally before we go into the Word where we're going to be talking we're going to be recapping some of the things that were said about spiritual warfare and we're going to go into something new today as well um, a week from tonight one week from today next Wednesday would be the last Wednesday in March for those of you who aren't hearing this on the day it's released uh, we will be gathering as a congregation of the Father's Church for our annual um, bylaw-directed point of electing board members. And I'll do this quick, but I'm going to do it. I want to thank Scott Maston and Les Terrell for being willing to serve on the board during the last three years. Their term is up. We followed the rules and put out nomination forms. Anybody Everybody had opportunity for several weeks to get those papers, nominate somebody, sign them, submit them. So this was not done in a corner. Um, 
Frankly, most of you know that I don't like these elections. Why? Because it pits one person against another. And whether we say it or not, well, it's the Lord's will. Nobody likes losing an election. Don't they love me as much? Or, you know, I don't like that. I, I, I don't like that. But we do it anyway. So forgive me if in any way when I announce these things, my tone is not absolutely ebullient. But these were all out there. Well, we only had, we have two slots open. We only had two. And so next week we will be on Wednesday night gathering to pray and we'll have a, a meeting where we ratify the two new board members. Who are they? Well, you'll just have to come to find out, won't you? So that's a week from today. I've made the announcement. There it is. I'll announce it again on Sunday, so look forward to that. Okay. We talked at seminar about some specific things regarding warfare. It was not my intention to speak really about <coughs> spiritual warfare. I mean, we, we're talking about the presence, and we certainly talked about the presence of God, the ways of God, the face of God. We covered that. But as the Spirit guided us and led us, we found lots of pertinent points of, um, of insight into some very deep understandings of the Word that speak about taking the land, expanding the kingdom. And so, one of the first ones was when we talked about Caleb and his daughter who requested the upper and the nether springs. Um, this was after we looked at the river of God from the throne and we explored a number of, of wonderful things about that. But the point was, out of all of that, we looked at what nether meant. And we also considered that Caleb was really renowned for taking Hebron. And Hebron was the place not only of the anointing of kings, but it was also a word that was used to describe witchcraft and oaths. And our point, which is very clear in the scripture, very clear in the scripture, that for every measure of great promotion in the kingdom, you have to be an overcomer. Because the enemy does not want those things that God intends to be done. In fact, he wants to abscond the place and source it for whatever he wants to do in controlling the people and denigrating the plan of God. That's just normal. That's just everywhere in Scripture. So the, the thing about Caleb was that he, he not only had that privilege of promotion, bowing the knee, gaining the commission of the blessing of the Lord, but he also was very clear in the place that he took, give me this mountain, the place of the, of the, um, of the giants, the another spirit that he had. We talked about all those things. But it was very clear that there, was, there were enemy forces there. Most of the Israelites didn't want to have anything to do with that. But Caleb said, give this to me. I will go. And that's what we have to do. Remember, only Caleb and Joshua went over of that of that original generation, and over only those two went over into the Promised Land, and that's not a really good percentage. Um, and so, when we talk about this kind of thing, I think that's one thing we have to recognize. We want to serve the Lord. But this kind of message from the scripture, not just here, but so many other places this is indicated, 
It's not going to be what the rank and file uh, stand up and applaud for. They may like the blessing afterwards, but they're more about pleasing the people and gaining numbers and looking like they're doing something great. But when it comes to actually doing the dirty work that's necessary in the kingdom and obeying God, there aren't that many that are willing to do it. And in fact, we studied on um, Saturday morning about David being, in his words, more vile than this. And we looked at how that term vile was also uh, utilized to describe the slingshot and the sling. And, you know, there wasn't anybody else there in the camp of the righteous that were willing to go down into that valley and face the giant. And only David, only David. And so even when you talk about this kind of thing, people immediately dismiss it. So many do. They, and they preach against this concept. They, they even try to put fear and I understand that there's some people that don't follow the rules of engagement from God. They just like the war. And they get themselves in trouble with that. I understand that. But because people misuse something or, or might have a propensity to do that doesn't mean that nobody should use it. And... Um, I, I see that so often that's the case since we, since, and, and you know, and it's an investment. It's an investment of yourself. And it may not, it may not appease or appeal to the people that are all wanting things real pretty and kind and, you know, we don't want to get our hands dirty. And then you lose your constituents. Or, or the ones you think are your constituents. I understand all that. Pastors want to grow a big congregation because that does a lot of things for them. I'm sure it blesses the Lord in some ways. But what I see in the scripture is, is the Lord trying to refine. Get in, you still have too many. What? I've just built this crowd. Yeah, if you go this way, Gideon, we're not following you. You're going to lose checks in the offering if you do that. A lot of pastors aren't willing to do this because it affects their, it affects them in a lot of ways. Caleb said, give me this mountain. David said, I'm going to run into this valley. In fact, I'll do it again. I'll be more vile. I'll do this over and over again. How many times are you going to do it? More. And you know, that's that's the another spirit that God recognized with Caleb. And that's essential for us uh, if we're going to do the work of the kingdom. One of the things that also that we looked at when we, when we studied through the scripture about the rivers of God, the river of God and the streams thereof was this, the measures of promotion all along the river and the alignment of the um, the line which represents the plumb of the Lord and the measurement of the reed which represents not only uh, the jealousy of God but the empowerment given by God the authority given by God but also the key to victory as we studied last week the reed represented all of those things in the Bible but that's also a place where Behemoth and Leviathan lurk in their version of the river. So you have that, you have that really amazing um, uh, ad there. And we studied about that. You can, again, you can hear this on the archives of our website. So... I, I see all these things and I know that they're important for where we all are going as the nations are open again we have major measures of, of pursuit um, in countries around the world that 
are being mobilized right now. And um, we're not just going to have meetings or to <clears throat> or to give ourselves something to do. We're going to make disciples, but we're also partnering with the indigenous people of the land to take the land through the power of the cross. And a lot of that is understanding this measure of spiritual warfare that is obviously scattered throughout the narrative. We may not understand them in the natural, but why would we? These are spiritually discerned. The Bible says that. The natural, man, the natural mind does not comprehend the things of the Spirit. They are discerned by the pneumatikos. That's in the Bible. You should read it sometime. And so we want to be those types of people who don't miss what God's eternal, inspired, and errant word speaks about. We, we want to glean those things and be ready to draw on them knowledgeably in spiritual warfare for the kingdom. So, we uh, we talked about Behemoth and the scripture speaks in Job 40 about him being the chief of the ways of God and then how his eyes drink up rivers and he's hiding there amongst the reeds those are amazing insights as it is. This is certainly not a hippopotamus. Um, but the, it's, it's curious though that to me Behemoth is like a, a, a fallen version of one of the beasts. The, the, the coordinator of different things uh, that have to do with the structure of this earth it was created by God to do this and now they withstand what God wants to originally do that's the nature of their rebellion it's like we looked at how this equated with kind of like nerve endings or skin level and if you're going to defeat them you you have to be base as David said, and that, that term extrapolates out to how you break through and how you make yourself vulnerable before God. And then that sets the stage for the glory. So, Behemoth is, is something that can only be defeated in the will of God through us becoming base before God. And that combination of prophetically being more vile, prophetically and obediently being that, being base sets the stage then according to the scriptural principle for the glory of God to be revealed. And that David said so powerfully at the time when the ark was brought into Jerusalem. And the ark represented that vessel that spoke about taking the kingdom at the direction of God before the cherubs into places where darkness had ruled. That's what the ark was supposed to be, was supposed to symbolize. So David says these things about how a people and this ark had been separated from the people of God for a great period of time. And now that it's being brought back in, in a way that God ordained, David says, this is how we must partner with it going forward. Now sadly, that didn't happen. In fact, the enemy, as so often is the case, corrupted what God had given for a point of victory. And um, that, you read about what happened with Solomon, just terrible. Just absolutely unimaginable. But we see that happening in our nation today. We see it happening in the world. The vile corruption 
of a good portion of what is called the church in our country. The, the way that society is welcoming wickedness, just open, blatant perversion. And the way that uh, evil is being welcomed and, and glorified, and anybody who stands for righteousness is ridiculed. This is biblical 101. We see it happening around us. I mean, not just here and there, but everywhere. So this nation, one nation under God, Jesus help us. God help us. So, today we want to look at something that uh, I think is indicative of what occurred in this nation and what is happening now and how we got to where we are. When Moses was entering with the people into the pathway toward possession of the promised land. Remember that Balaam was contracted by the the kings of the of the land at that point to curse Israel and they went to this place called Baal or Beelzebub Peore it uh, it was a mountain pass and it could either be symbolic of the pass itself or some kind of a cave that overlooked the pass and Israel had to go through that place that narrow well topographically narrow place. It wasn't like Thermopylae in, in the story of the, the Spartans in ancient Greek, the, or the famous 300 in Thermopylae. But it was a pass. And, and it did symbolize something that deals with Beelzebub, an opening. Uh, in that area, in that place, so often um, the demonic realm was accompanied by sexual impurity and so often they would um, they would yield themselves as temple in fact this is this is there it's just throughout the scripture you, you want to hold your hand over your kids ears that's fine but it's just through the scripture it's everywhere but there was sexual promiscuity there and that's that's really what Beelzebub used uh, in a lot of the ways of controlling people in their temples. And then he would promise rain and favorable weather so that their crops and everything that they wanted to do in building their nations would be fully supplied. So here again is that Beelzebub mandate, as it were, or whatever he received as a commissioning from the enemy, based upon how he was originally created before the fall, of managing touch points of, um, of the glory of God. And instead of them going forward in grace, people yield in bitterness, and um, they then open themselves to all manner of debauchery and partnership with the enemy. Which would then be why Balaam said, I can't curse them, but I'll tell you how you destroy them. All in the same genre of what this place represented and what he was doing in the land. He said, send your daughters over there and let them intermarry with the people. And soon as those lusts are gratified, these people will be like you and you will have won them. It very much reminds me of what um, we read about Jacob and Rachel and how she, even after all those years of living with him, a patriarch of Israel, meeting with Eloi, seeing miracles, she held on to those idols of the land and that sin 
she recognized at the end of her life, at the birth of Benjamin, um, was her downfall. Isn't that awful? So, it's interesting that the very council of Balaam, he wasn't cursing, but he was advising, but it was in the same measure of what this Baal Peor was. Now, what does that have to do with us? What does this have to do with spiritual, uh, the spiritual condition and climate that we as Christians, as saints, face? Uh, you can see the intermarrying of the people of God with the world. You, you can see it blatantly in the progressive church, in the lukewarm, white and sepulchre church, uh, where they just are more demonically oriented than having anything to do with the scripture. And the things they say about Jesus, the things they say about the crucifixion, the things they say about the sacrificial son, the things that they say about sin, the things that they say about no judgment, the things that they then accuse believers of, or true believers of being insensitive, racist, racist, and all other kinds of false accusations, um, the things that are, are brought forward um, in regard to in regard to the Word of God, where it is just ridiculed and mocked, and uh, it it's it's in their opinion not accurate, and there are other writings from demonic authors that are equal in their opinion to the Word of God. You see this intermarrying; it's just wide open. Wide open, that's what pure means. Now, some say uh, this is another name of a god, Baal Pure. It's really not. I mean, it's it's not. It speaks about a tactic of Beelzebub. And I remember when we first began here, and God's Spirit was being poured out so wonderfully, and we were being observed by lots of different influences but I remember this particular being coming and being complimentary and offering lots of things and it wasn't the perversion I've talked about but it was just as deadly and it had more to do with power and influence which I thought was very interesting very very interesting so, of course, we declined that, but this is what you face. So you have the you have beings that are clearly depicted in Scripture that serve Satan, but you have what we saw in the Scripture last week at the behest of the directive of the Spirit. The brains of the outfit, the structure of the outfit regarding the God of this world, the warfare arm of the outfit through Leviathan, and today we need to look at some other things regarding what we'll be facing in regard to operatives, human operatives of Beelzebub. Balaam served that way. I wouldn't say that he was necessarily committed there wholeheartedly to Beelzebub, but he was, he, he, his number was on speed dial. How's that? So, speaking of Baal and, or Beelzebub, there are three places in the Old Testament where operatives of this demonic entity are functioning. Now, I'm not necessarily even referring to Jezebel, which meant a virgin dedicated to Baal. But during the time when Elijah, the prophet, was 
in direct conflict with Ahab and Jezebel. That nation was just putridly evil, just wickedly evil during that time because they were dedicated to the demonic, particularly to Baal. Beelzebub worship was all through the land. You had prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth was supposedly the wife uh, or the demonic, uh, how do I say this, paramours, mostly female, um, of this being. So here you have that again. Elijah faces off with them. We've read the story. The fire falls from heaven. and Elijah eliminates these 850 or so. But leading up to that, God had Elijah proclaim that there would be drought. There would be no rain, which was the main thing that Beelzebub promised. That was a big warfare shock and awe. And so, Elijah, in 1 Kings 17, he comes and he approaches Zarephath. And because of the drought that he had proclaimed, people were starving. You would have hoped that would have initiated their desire to over, overtake the wicked administration there with Ahab and Jezebel, but it obviously didn't. So he comes to this widow woman and he says to her, this is 1 Kings 17, you all know this. I'm referencing beginning at verse 10. Fetch me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. And so she says, As the Lord your God lives. It wasn't her God. Your God. I don't have a cake. But a handful of meal in a barrel, a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks to go in, dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. So you know this story. Elijah says, you know, go and do as you were going to do, but give me a little bit of a cake first. And she did. And Elijah said, thus says the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal that you have will not become emptied, the cruise of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends the rain on the earth. She did according to the saying of Elijah, she and he and her house did eat many days. So then, in verse 17, it came to pass after these things that the son of this woman, here it is, the mistress of the house fell sick and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him mistress there is baala or one that functions either as baal in a <clears throat> a management flow which we've said over and over again that's what beelzebub does there's management so this woman represented that evil cult, that evil demonic practice that was prevalent throughout the land. It wasn't just that she uh, managed her own household well, but this is a very clear term. It's used two other times in the, in the Old Testament. We're going to go there. So you can just wait for me unless you want to skip along. Um, the son of the woman who was the uh, who was this Baala I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it it's all over the map if you go down south to our brethren in Mexico and in the Latin communities they call Beelzebub Beelzebub so you know that's kind of a catchier phrase it would make everybody's ears perk up if you said it in modern churches here but be that as it may, this woman was not only somebody that managed her own house well, but she was one of these operatives of Beelzebub. 
So she comes to Elijah and she says, What have I to do with you, O thou man of Elohim? Are you come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? What sin was that? Well, she knew what sin it was. People have written volumes trying to speculate as to this woman. What was she? A woman of the night. Was she a murderer? What, what did she do? Well, her sin was obviously that she was aligned with this wicked enterprise of the demonic in the land. Why would Elijah go to this woman to provide this miracle without lifting the drought? That is a strategic stroke of brilliance on behalf of God. This woman knew fully well that Elijah was the one that had stopped the rain. She said it. And God, <laughs> God provides for her house while Elijah's staying there, but doesn't break the drop yet. That's, that's wild to me. That, that's just, that only, God would do something like that. So she says in verse 18, what have I to do with you, man of God? Or you come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. He took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode, laid upon him, laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto Yahweh and said, Yahweh, my Elohim, have you also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times cried unto Yahweh and said, O Yahweh, my Elohim, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. The soul of the child came in unto him again, and he revived. Now let's stop. We're going to go on with this. Elijah's saying, God, did you do this? Now, the jury's out on that. We don't know one way or another. If it were me... I would think that there was some other operative involved here. How about you? Here's the guy that was directly coming against the rule of Beelzebub in that nation. Here's the guy that came to an operative of that demonic rule and not only worked a miracle, an ongoing miracle, but he was staying there. Now, do you think God was happy? Of course he was. Do you think Beelzebub was happy? I don't think so. So who do you think might be the one that tried to snuff out this boy's life? I leave it up to you. But Elijah calls unto the Lord, even asks, Did you do this? Well, obviously, if God had said, Yeah, it was me, leave it alone. Elijah wouldn't have done the things that he did here. But when he calls unto God, God works another miracle. And what does this woman say? Elijah took the child, brought him down out of the chamber into the house, delivered him to his mother, and Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now, by this I know, that you are a man of Elohim, and that the word of Yahweh in thy mouth is the real truth. What in the world does that mean? What was this woman waiting on? This is a miracle that she and her household had been living. The man of God was there. Was she daft? Did she not recognize? Look, this guy stopped the rain on behalf of God. It took absolutely the thing we believe that this demonic being did and took it away. Now he's here, and this miraculous feeding of my household and him is going on. She didn't know at that point whether this was the man of Elohim and that the word of Yahweh was in his mouth and it was the real truth. Think about it. But when the boy, the one that she loved, 
And there's nothing like a mother's love, especially for a son. Sorry to say that to all you daughters. But this is just incredible to me. It's just, it's just incredible to me. Now by this I know you are a man of Elohim and that the word of Yahweh in your mouth is the real truth. It's the emet. It's going to be what you say. Now, had the woman come to this realization and proclaimed a renouncing of this with the prophet there, would her son still have been smitten? I don't know. But obviously God was working a whole lot more here than a handful of meal and the cruise of oil that didn't fail. Did we see it before? No. But this, this is something that we may encounter as we go into these nations and deal openly at the behest of God with those who represent the enemy forces in that land. I think this is very interesting to see. So then it goes into chapter 18. We're going to get back to the other instances of this word, so just hang in there. Um, Elijah goes out at the word of the Lord, and um, God tells him, okay, it's time for you to confront Ahab and um, there was a guy named Obadiah, the governor of Ahab's house, who had been secretly providing for a hundred prophets of the Lord. And Elijah goes to him and says, you go and tell Ahab that I want to meet him. And Obadiah says, you know what? I have witnessed the king send representatives to many nations looking for you. We couldn't find you anywhere. And you know that I've been providing for the sons of the prophets secretly. And now you want to get me in trouble because I'll go and tell Ahab and the Spirit will catch you away. And then I will be... I, this, this man is so ruthless and it's really that wacky woman, that virgin of, of Baal, that she'll have my head I'm adding to this. But it's, it's very interesting. So... He first goes to this woman who was an operative of Baal. And then he comes to this guy who's a righteous man, but who's serving Ahab. This <laughs> is just a really interesting story. Who knows what we, who we will meet? Who knows what miracles God will work on their behalf on the way to seeing the kingdom come in power? I know what some of you are already saying. Pastor, how can you say that this woman was an operative of Baal? Oh, yes, I see. I invested my $9 with such sacrifice in buying the Strong's KJV. I can see it there. But how can you say this? Just because that could just mean mistress. I read, um, I read in another commentary that I have, that this was just a woman who managed the house. Really? Alright, well let's look at the other two places where the Spirit uses this word, okay? And you can see whether the denominational commentary you've been reading is true or whether the Spirit in the Word is really true. Let's go back a few years to 1 Samuel 28 verse 7. Now, Saul at this point is in trouble more than at any other time where he was in trouble um, Samuel had died the Philistines were coming against him Saul was not hearing from God in dreams this is all in 1 Samuel 28 in dreams by Urim and the Thummim or by the prophets now in 1 Samuel 28, verse 4, the Philistines are coming against him. Look where they are. The Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. Shunem was in Issachar. 
Shunem was where we've talked about the Shunammite woman. We talked about Deborah. We talked about Abishag with David. And we wondered what happened to Issachar. Where were the men here? So at the time when Saul is not hearing from God, one of the main voices that was supposed to tell Israel what they ought to do in this famous place known as Shunem, the Philistines are camped there. Isn't that something? So, look what happens next. Verse 7, Saul said unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit. And there's our word. Baala. Baala. Who has a familiar spirit. This word familiar is ob. It, it's basically a necromancer. Um, but there you have it. This this be, this woman is functioning on behalf of the demon in the land. It uses the same word that I may go to her and inquire for. Behold, his servants said unto him, Behold, there is a woman that and here we uses it again. It wasn't a misprint. That is a baala, a familiar spirit at Endor. That always reminds me of a Star Wars city. Luke, go to Endor. Um, so, you know this story. And we don't need to go further there. But to me, the operative that's left in the nation, prophets aren't functioning, Samuel's gone, Urim and Thummim isn't functioning, the king's right of dreams is not functioning, Issachar is overrun by the Philistines not that they would give a word anyway Shunem is occupied and this uh, this man this king looks for a representative of Baal hmm it's interesting too that um, this Gilboa where Saul was camped was the place where both he and his son Jonathan would die. They, there's, there, there's an interesting measure of this being this city, Gilboa. Um, it, it, part of its word uh, derivation can mean dung, which is kind of weird. It can mean to to really be yearning for some kind of breakthrough. It's a swelling, a bulging, or a, or a swelling out. I don't want to make too much of this. We've already hit the main points of this passage to me. But instead of being at a place with a fountain of insight, telling Israel what ought to do, the enemy controls that. None of these other things are there. And you're just left at a place of not only need, but need that is is awful and is crying out. You're, this is a place of death for both you and the uh, the one that would have been the heir of the kingdom who was a friend of David. Wow. Let's look at one other place. The other place where this word is used. Some of you are already there. It's in the seldom read little book of Nahum. And it's really lambasting uh, Nineveh. But it calls Nineveh in chapter 3, verse 4, because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot. This sounds like Beelzebub operatives, doesn't it? You've got Baal pure. You've got the virgin dedicated to Baal. You've got the whoredoms. Um, this mistress, here's our word, of what? Witchcrafts that sells the nations 
through her whoredoms and families through her witchcrafts. Behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts. Operatives. Operatives of the kingdom of darkness. You know, I could talk about our own country and really the Western world. I know God wants to visit this nation, and He will in a big way. But as I pray, I can't help but think that God's judgment upon this country for its evil it's already being known I, I see the end time literature scriptures I often wondered where's the United States in this where's this in God we trust champion of Christianity Where's Great Britain, the great apostolic force for so long? That's not my message for the day. But God's going to give this nation a chance to repent. There will be a visitation of the kingdom. But I don't know. The, the whoredoms the witchcraft, the evil that we and our land influence the other nations of the world to follow. The chief voice of the prince of the power of the air is Hollywood. What are they depicting throughout the world? Evil, wickedness. And I've really gone into a downer thing. Let's 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 talk positively here, because we serve the victor, we serve the King of Kings. But you cannot deny that if these are the days of Elijah, these are the days of Elijah, friend of the bridegroom, preparing the way of the Lord. In the last days, I'll send the Spirit of Elijah, fathers to the children, children to the father. What were the days of Elijah? Was it camp meeting? Was it this? Are you going to encounter people that the Spirit of the Lord sends you to? You're going to have been engaged in spiritual warfare and your actions on behalf of God are going to bring those nations to an intended knee of repentance? And will you encounter those that had been operatives of the demonic that God sends you to? And he begins to work miracles among them to where they say God is in you of a truth. Seems I've read that in the New Testament where Jesus said, in those days, the days we're coming into, those of the synagogue of Satan will come, proscuneo, and say, God is in you of a truth. That's the days of Elijah. Do I like those days? Well, I like serving the Lord, and I recognize that he caused us to be born in this time frame to serve him, and we love that. But these are not these are not pleasant moments. The glory of God is wonderful, but warfare isn't. As General Sherman said, war is hell. <laughs> it's 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 battling against hell. And so we need to learn as much as we can from the scripture about what happens when the river of God flows from that temple, from the threshold, and begins to go into these places that are controlled currently by these demonic beings, clearly depicted in the scripture. What's going to happen 
we need to be ready this is this is just interesting so the three instances of these operatives one was Elijah's day that's our day know that friends of the bridegroom this is our day oh yes we love to talk about the Elishas that are coming great zippity doo dah that's great but you're Elijah in this paradigm and this is what we face amazing are you ready for are you willing King Saul the first king of Israel it was not a mistake Samuel did not make a mistake God told him to go there and we see that all the time in religious things how many people were asked to do something and they just balked and God had to raise up another we see that over and over and over again well here's Saul the enemy controls the place that God ordained for him to be getting directives he'd already burned his bridges with Samuel now Samuel was gone he wasn't hearing from God in dreams probably because he was not offering supplication that's between, between him and God the Urim and the Thummim weren't working through the priests the prophets were either scattered or inoperative and he encounters a woman who in her capacity was representing Baal but probably at some point of a fallen histeme was dealing with the gates of hell which we're supposed to be prevailing over and then you see nations that sow whoredoms of the demonic realm into other nations and they do so as basically this representation Baala I'm not pointing a picture of doom and gloom but I'm saying with all these things that God showed us about the river that comes from heaven the victory the battles how we have to gain scripturally the the directive from the Lord and the victory over Leviathan and Behemoth and God of this world along the way we're going to be facing these operatives we don't bow down to them but God's gonna try to extend his love to these ones and we better see that this is happening in our world today and we better get ready for for what for what God is going to do now Simon the sorcerer was not identified as an operative of Baal or Beelzebub but he sure walks and quacks like a duck he's sourcing which is just what Beelzebub's influence does the power of the Lord comes Philip preaches Simon wants to accept it because he wants to go along and get along and Peter comes down and this guy shows his true colors so just because somebody immediately jumps and hollers because you're there that woman who was Elijah was living under her roof she still wasn't convinced she knew something was happening but she still wasn't convinced we need to recognize this I remember one time and I know I'm past time here we had a lot of people that were being drawn to this place in the early days people from lots of different outposts of the spirit realm throughout the city and there was a guy who came and said that he really wanted to follow the Lord but he was into the mystic arts and he was doing things and and I, and I said to him 
just know that you're, you cannot do these things anymore that you're doing. If you're going to follow the Lord, you've got to get rid of these. And he wouldn't do it. And he left. And there was a young man here who was on our worship team who came and got in my face because I had insulted this guy who was interested in the Lord. And it was, it was bad. And I said to him, this is what I told him. And if he didn't accept it, that is his problem. I feel sorry for him. But why are you defending him in his sin when God is saying, get rid of it? And the young man broke down and cried and said, I'm sorry. This was an area that he needed to be free from. And eventually, because he didn't allow God to free him from it, he erupted in some other way and he's gone. I'm sad about that. But just because you see God doing something in, in the midst of people, God is going to demand that, that they turn completely. And you better, you better let God be God. <laughs> Maybe these are topics for another day. We're way past time. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. Uh, we, we seal this message and we speak blessing over all of you. We're moving forward in the kingdom, in prayer, in God's word. And may we all come through this victoriously together in serving our Father. Be blessed, be well, be whole, be strong, be encouraged, and be good for goodness sake. God bless you. Goodbye.